past year, we have been working our way through Luke's gospel. We've heard stories of the poor man Lazarus. We've heard the story of a faithful soldier, uh, the story of a woman healed on the Sabbath after being sick for 18 years, the story of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and of course, the good Samaritan, or as we reluctantly retold the story, the good ice agent. If there is a theme that is consistent in Luke's gospel, it is that outsiders are in. The people who are rejected, hurt, sick, marginalized, or just different are the people who seem to understand and accept the good news and healing that Jesus offers. Today is yet another prime example of that. Today we hear about the other Good Samaritan. Quick refresher, Samaritans inhabited the area between Galilee and Judah, which is the northern kingdom of Israel. Samaritans were largely descendants of people who remained in the region during the Babylonian exile. They worshipped the God of Israel, Yahweh, and their sacred text was an abridged version, a different version of the Pentateuch. Their holy place was Mount Gerizim, which is where the Samaritans still celebrate Passover to this day. There are about 800 Samaritans still living and working and worshiping in that same area where they have been for so long. Samaritans did not worship in Jerusalem, which is why the Samaritan village rejected Jesus in chapter 9, if you can think back to the spring. Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. He had turned his face to Jerusalem, and here he is still on that path. So now Jesus, who was rejected by Samaritans, is near Samaria, and he encounters ten folks with leprosy. In the same way that stories about someone who chops down a cherry tree or a giant with a blue ox have instant connotations for us, this story, this event, would have sounded really familiar to the people around Jesus. They think instantly of Elisha. The passage from the Hebrew Bible today reminds us of the events in Luke in that they are a remake of this story from 2 Kings of Elisha and Naaman. In case you missed it, that story goes like this. The commander of the Aramite army army from modern Syria. Syria, which our country has abandoned this week. I just read the news that they discovered that in this process, Russians have bombed four hospitals in Syria to drive out the rebels. Four hospitals. Keep that in mind as we go along. So this Aramite commander, the, the guy from ancient Syria, is a guy named Naaman who has leprosy. And when we say he has leprosy, it's some kind of skin condition. It's not necessarily uh, the bacterial infection, uh, Mycobacterium leprae, which is what we call leprosy these days, right? But Naaman's wife, Naaman's wife has a Jewish servant 
And the servant girl tells Naaman's wife, he should go to Samaria. There's a prophet there who would cure him. So Naaman goes, and the prophet Elisha says, no problem, go wash in the Jordan. To which Naaman says, why did I come all the way here to Samaria just to wash in a river that is dirtier and smaller than the rivers where I am from? This is a waste of time. You're not even coming with me. But his servants are like, look, it's easy. Just go do this thing. It's not a big deal. And he goes, he washes, and he's healed. What does Naaman do after he is healed? He goes back to Elisha and says, Now I know that there is no God in all the earth except Israel. Remember, Naaman is a foreigner. He's a foreigner at a time when each country, each culture, each region had its own deity, its own God or gods. Naaman doesn't just say thanks to this God. He says that the God of Israel is the only God. Shema Israel. Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Ehad. Here, O Israel, the Lord your God is one, the only one. This is the primary statement of the Jewish faith. It is the passage that is emblazoned on doors of Jewish households to this day. And it is this foreigner who gets it. By the way, the statement continues. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. We know that part, but depending on where you read it, it continues. You shall love the foreigner, the stranger, as yourself. Remember that you were a foreigner in the land of Egypt. You get the idea. At the center of our faith is embracing the foreigner. Now, back to Jesus. Another story of lepers being healed. Another story in the region of Samaria. Another story of the foreigner as the exemplar of faith. Ten lepers ask Jesus for mercy. Notice that they stay at a distance so as not to infect anyone. These folks are hard up. They're very sick. Even if it weren't infectious, the skin diseases creep people out as skin diseases tend to do to this day. So they stood removed from Jesus, marginalized, so marginalized that they had to yell. Jesus then, hearing them yelling at a distance, says to do what Leviticus 13 says to do. When a person has it on the skin of his body or a swelling or an eruption or a spot and it turns into a leprous disease, he shall be brought to the priest. The priest shall examine the disease, blah, blah, blah. Priest as ancient dermatologist. The ten lepers go as Jesus tells them, but as they're going Along the way, 
they are healed. Wow. Now, we don't know what none of these folks thought. Did they think the disease just went away? Did they even notice that they were healed? Were they like so caught up in what they were doing they didn't notice they were feeling better? We don't know, but one of them did notice. And who was it? The Sumerian, the foreigner, as Jesus says. The foreigner models faith. Okay, I'm going to pause and acknowledge one other aspect to this passage. When does this healing happen? As they are going. These lepers didn't have to memorize doctrine. They weren't healed once they believed the right things. They were healed as they went along. This is a classic example of the theological distinction between orthodoxy and orthopraxy. Right belief versus right action or right practice. So often we're caught up in what people believe or the differences between what we believe and what other people believe, and we miss the goodness of the other, the goodness of the foreigner. Being caught up on orthodoxy or proper beliefs often distracts us from the healing that we are called to be in the world. Notice what Jesus says to the Samaritan. Your faith has made you well. This to someone whose religious beliefs were different than Jesus's. Franciscan author Richard Rohr says, we do not think ourselves into new ways of living. We live ourselves into new ways of thinking. The emphasis is on who we are, not what we are or what we believe. That is part of our practice of being here together in this room. It is the act of Sabbath, rest from a life of division. Chad Myers writes that Sabbath is the practice of recentering our lives on being rather than on doing. Being, the importance of being the body of Christ, of being with, of being with the foreigner, the outcast, the marginalized, being with the hurt, the sick, the lonely, being the good news for the 5 million undocumented immigrants here in California, being the good news for the 40 million people forced to leave their native country because of famine, war, or political instability, being the good news for refugees that come from Iraq, Burma and Bhutan, which are the, the, the countries from which we receive the largest number of immigrants. Right behind them are folks from Somalia, Cuba, and Iran. Being with the 5,000 people alive today who are of Chumash descent, people to whom we are all foreigners. Being the body of Christ. Yesterday, I drove down to Ventura to attend our deanery's pre-convention assembly. And as I drove the coast down south of Carpinteria, it was absolutely stunning. The sun was shining. 
The sky was clear, the islands were detailed, the ocean was blue, and just past the sea cliff exit, I went by that row of that fields, that, that agricultural patch that is right next to the shore. Have you guys seen that little patch? I don't know what exactly grows there. I thought it was strawberries. I'm not exactly sure. It's some kind of low-lying plant, but that field was bright green. It was beautiful, set right against the ocean. It's absolutely gorgeous. And of course, there on Saturday morning, hard at work were about two dozen people bent over, attending to the food that will nourish us all. They were giving themselves and their time so that we might have life. They were being the body of Christ. I don't know how many people in that field were for, from another country, but I feel confident that most were either foreigners themselves or children of God that were children of foreigners. Our lives depend on them and their self-giving work. As Steve Earle writes, and we will all sing shortly, all of us are immigrants. All of us are immigrants. We are on Chumash land at the moment near one of the largest settlements in pre-Columbian California, which was decimated. The island of the estuary was filled in to create what is now our airport. We are immigrants. All of us. Thinking of that Christ-like demeanor of the immigrants at work in contrast with current rhetoric in our nation, I turn to the poem at the foot of the Statue of Liberty. You guys remember this, or at least some of it, right? It's called the New Colossus. It's written by a woman named Emma Lazarus. How about that last name as we are in Luke? Lazarus. It's written November 2nd, 1883. We often quote that one line from the poem, Give me your huddled masses. But the rest of the poem bears repeating in light of our readings today. Here it is, the new Colossus. Not like the brazen giant of Greek fame with conquering limbs astride from land to land. Here at our sea-washed sunset gates shall stand a mighty woman with a torch whose flame is the imprisoned lightning and her name, Mother of Exiles. From her beacon hand glows worldwide welcome. Her mild eyes command the air bridge harbor that twin cities frame. Keep ancient lands your stored up pomp. She cries with silent Lips, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. The wretched refuge, refuse of your teeming shore. Send these the homeless, tempest 
tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. Amen.